This morning, my sermon title that I've given myself is Time to Celebrate. And so I wonder this morning, who feels like celebrating? I can, I can get the, uh, the enthusiasm that there is within the room. Uh, there is a do- great sense of joy. The champagne corks are popping. Uh, it's a day of celebration because you've come to church. God is good. Amen, he is. All the time God is good, as we said, and I've not said for a little while, it's about time I rolled that one back out again. Um, But there is lots to celebrate. Today, we are finishing our series looking at how we train up our faith. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at a range of different spiritual disciplines that can help us to grow in our faith as we follow and worship Jesus. We've looked at how worship can help us grow in our faith, how we can uh, practice disciplines such as fasting and reading the Bible, how we can offer uh, or practice the discipline of sacrifice as a way of following Jesus. But today we're going to spend some time looking at our final holy habit, the habit of celebration. Now, if I'd asked you what habits might we consider as spiritual disciplines um, as we grow in our faith, I guess most of you might have thought of things like read the Bible. Some of you might have gone a bit risky and talked about fasting and uh, all the stuff we talked about that gets a bit uncomfortable uh, previously. But how many of you would have said, celebration, that's a discipline that I want to talk about? Hopefully um, you'll know that as a church, we have some church values um, that we hold to. And one of our church values is embracing life. But some of you may not know that when we were talking about what our church values are and what, how we might um, adopt these and recognise these, the value of celebrating life rather than embracing life was suggested. Now, to cut a long story short, we chose to say embracing life instead of celebrating life because there was a concern that to say celebrating life might be a bit pastorally insensitive. Uh, The fact that sometimes you look at the world, you look at the lives of people around us, and we go, actually, there's not much to celebrate. They're finding some real challenges, some real struggles in the midst of that moment. And I'm a pastor, I get it, and so we went with embracing life of our values instead of celebrating life. However, throughout the Bible, we see that as Christians, we have so much to celebrate. And if we are to grow in our faith, if we're to live our best life with Jesus and experience the abundance of life that he offers to us all, then we need to develop a discipleship within our churches that celebrates in faith. And so this morning we're going to spend some time looking at this holy habit of celebration. But before we do so, I'm going to pray again and then we're going to read the Bible together and hear what God's word might say to us this morning. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that it says uh, to us, for the way it illuminates our minds, illuminates our lives. 
We thank you too for your presence with us. And Lord, as we pray, uh, uh, as we look at your word now, we pray that your presence and your spirit would be speaking to us, that we might know more of you and more of the joy that you offer to us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, um, then you are welcome to join me. We're going to read two passages of scriptures today. Firstly, from Philippians chapter 4, and then from 1 Peter chapter 1. Hopefully, if the computer's behaving itself, uh, the screen will um, behave and the words will be up there. Let's just say a big thank you to Sibin. Um, celebration is the theme of the day. Celebrating Sibin and John up there doing a great job um, with the AV in difficult circumstances. Thank you, guys. Um, but Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 to 9 if you want to read with me um, the apostle Paul says this rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And then 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Christ, Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls so let me ask again do you feel like celebrating do you hear those passages and filled with joy and want to go yes jesus if not how do we practice this spiritual discipline of celebration well first of all i want to start a little bit by thinking about what celebration is and why we celebrate we celebrate when good things happen 
when I watched the mighty Leeds United, uh, or the wonderful Cambridge United, or one of my son's Chesterton Eagles football teams, and they score a goal, I don't stand there going, hmm. okay, I celebrate. Um, especially when Leeds are actually winning for a change. It's a, it's a, ni it's a nice phenomenon to feel. Um, but in, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be celebrating Reuben's birthday as a family together, marking another year of the wonderful life that is Reuben. Um, when we get some good news in our lives, maybe we get some good news about our job or a family member or a good um, uh, news about some health situation that we were concerned about. It's natural to want to celebrate the good that has happened. As a church, we also want to practice celebration. A few weeks ago, back in October, we celebrated Kimberley's anniversary of working in our church. That's because we want to celebrate our team and cheer them on and tell them what a great job they're doing. I regularly send cards out to people when I see that they've done something above and beyond for the life of our church, thanking them and celebrating the effort that they have put into the life of our church. We celebrate what God has been doing in people's lives. A few weeks ago, we saw Jael and Nora baptised and we celebrated what God had been doing in their lives. And we celebrate being a church family together. Uh, in a couple of weeks, in December, we're going to have another church party. Put the date in your diary, come and join us. It's going to be a hoot, um, but come and join the celebration. Celebration is important to us. We celebrate when good things happen. And this is why living and following Jesus requires us to practice the holy habit of celebration because our faith is full of good news. The message of Jesus is good news. So if we have good news, we need to celebrate that good news. In a few weeks' time, we're going to be preparing to celebrate Christmas. And uh, this is a time of good news. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born and the angels appear to the shepherds out on the hillside. And what do they say? They say, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. A few years later, Jesus has grown up and he's stepping out to start out on his ministry. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus outlines the basis of his ministry and his role on earth. And he, de he declares that the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's, he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Sounds like good news to me. The heart of who Jesus is, is, that, is and what he has come to reveal is a message of good news. In John 15, Jesus speaks to his disciples and teaches them about how they can follow him. And he says to them in, uh, that as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
Jesus wants us to be full of joy, to know that we are loved by him and by our Father, to remain in that love and to celebrate his love for us. Ultimately, we have the greatest reason of all to celebrate, and that is that Jesus is alive. The power of sin and death has been defeated. We are the recipients of eternal life. Jesus has given us new hope. Easter Sunday isn't just one Sunday. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday because Jesus is alive. We have good news to celebrate. As Peter tells us in our second reading that we heard today, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have so much good news to celebrate. The gospel is good news. Jesus is good news for each and every one of us. And so will we celebrate the good news that we have? Or will we be a bit British? Will we be a bit reserved? It's good news, but you know, I can't be too emotional about it all. Will we take that good news and just be a bit complacent about it? You know, it's good news, but it was good news yesterday as well. And it'll be good news tomorrow. It doesn't need to affect anything. Will we hear that good news but just take it for granted, not fully appreciating the wonder and the, and, and the amazingness of the good news that we've received? Or will we celebrate? Will we praise God for the mercy and the hope that he has given to us all because Jesus is alive? We have, we have a reason to celebrate. I can hear John saying amen, but who wants to join him? Amen. Jesus is alive. We have good news to celebrate. So we have good news, but to celebrate well, we also need to practice the art of celebration. Sometimes we can think that joy and celebration are just experiences that we feel in the moment. Like if I went and gave Ian a hundred pounds, he would celebrate that he's got some more money. That would be a thing of great joy. But if I don't give him £100, is he going to still celebrate in, in the same way? There are, there are those times where we experience something good, those mountaintop experiences where we naturally experience joy and want to celebrate spontaneously out of that moment. But if we only wait for those mountaintop experiences, if we only wait for those moments where there is spontaneous joy, we are missing out on the fullness of joy that God wants us to experience as we live our lives with him. If we go to the first reading that we heard today from Philippians chapter 4, what did Paul say to the church in Philippi? Did he say to the church, rejoice occasionally? Did he say, rejoice when good things happen? Did he say, rejoice when you feel like it? Or did he say, rejoice always? To embrace the habit of celebration and experience the fullness of life that celebration can unlock within us. We can't just wait till we feel like celebrating. Rather, we need to train up the art of 
celebration within our lives. And so the question is, how can we train this holy habit of celebration in our lives? Well, I think the first thing that we can do is create room for the Holy Spirit to grow and foster a celebration in our lives. Galatians chapter 5 tells us what the fruits of the Holy Spirit are and how, how as he invades and, and comes into our lives, how the presence of the Spirit is revealed within us. And what is the second fruit of the Spirit? For those of you who've got them all memorised on the top of your head. The second fruit of the Spirit is joy. Let me be blunt and a bit provocative for a moment. If you are a joyless Christian, if you always whine and if you always complain and if there's nothing that you can ever celebrate, can I be bold enough to suggest that you might have some growing to do in your faith. Because the fruit of the Spirit, the presence of God in your life, is not complaining, it is joy. We have to be able to celebrate with joy. It's one of the things that I love about our church. We have a church, as a church, we sit down and we have meetings and we do all that stuff and we take it seriously. But in our meetings, I regularly sit down with people and we end up laughing and joking together. And this laughter and joy isn't, irre isn't irreverent. This laughter is holy and precious and should be treasured within our church family. Because if you, can't, you can't laugh if you haven't got joy. And we want to be a joyful church. And we want to celebrate that joy. So how might we open ourselves to the joy of the Spirit revealing himself in us as we train up and live our lives for him? How might we be a source of joy in the workplace where Jesus has placed you? In your friendship groups, how might you be a source of joy to your friends? In your home, how might you be the most joyful person at home? If you've got a competitive household, that's a great one to do. Try and be more joyful than everyone else. How might the joy of Jesus flow into and through your life to those around you? Another way we can train the habit of celebration is through obedience. Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Richard Foster notes that some people live in a way that is impossible to have any kind of happiness. God desires to transform the misery, not bypass it. How might the way you are living be preventing you from experiencing the fullness of joy that Jesus wants to unveil within your life? To name a few things, picked up in Philippians 4, could you be filling your mind with bad news rather than things that give you life? Could you be spending your time comparing yourself to others rather than appreciating the wonder and the goodness of the things that God has already given to you? Could you be stubborn and refusing to embrace the way that Jesus has called you to live? Could you be holding on to unforgiveness? Could you be judging others rather than, than um, accepting them and loving them? 
Could you not be giving generously and holding on to things for yourself? Could you be proud instead of practicing humility? These things do not help us to live our best life. Instead, they prevent us from experiencing the joy that Jesus wants us all to experience. We can find joy by being obedient to Jesus. And we can also develop the habit of celebration by celebrating what God celebrates. We don't have time to read it today, but when I think about celebrating in the Bible, I think of Luke 15. I encourage you to go away and read it this week if you, if you have the chance to. Luke 15 is a chapter all about what God celebrates. First, we hear the story of the lost sheep. Then we hear the story of the lost coin and finally the well-known story, the parable of the prodigal son. Each one of these parables ends in a celebration, ends in a great, wonderful party. So what does God celebrate? He celebrates when when the lost are found. He celebrates when those who are in danger are made safe and uh, and are rescued. He celebrates when the wanderer returns home. Sometimes we can be in danger of celebrating things more than God celebrates them and not celebrating the things that God celebrates enough. We celebrate the new job or the new pay rise, the things that bless our lives, the things that give us that I don't know what the chemical reaction is. Is it dopamine that gives us that hit that makes us want to celebrate and feel good? We celebrate the decision that I think is the right decision. But when God celebrates, his celebrations are not in his own interests. He celebrates the lives of others. He celebrates the transformation for good in their lives, not my life. May we not just be self-centered in our celebrations, but let's join in with the party of heaven as the lives of those around us are transformed. Let's celebrate as God draws people back to himself. Let's celebrate that the lost are found and rescued. Let's celebrate that the prodigals are returning home. There is plenty to celebrate. And finally, to train up the habit of celebration, we also need to be persistent. When we don't feel like rejoicing, we need to look for something to celebrate. When it seems like everything around us is joyless, we need to be joyful. Let's be conscious and mindful of the context of which Paul is writing in Philippians chapter 4. He isn't sitting at home in front of the fire, all nice and cosy, enjoying a quiet weekend. As Paul writes the letter to the Philippians, he's in prison. He's in chains for his faith, and yet he says to the church, rejoice always. Paul might have been in prison, but even whilst he was in prison, Philippians chapter 1 tells us that God was on the move. And for that alone, Paul could rejoice He could celebrate what God was doing even in the midst of the prison cell that he was confined to. And this leads us nicely into thinking about how we can celebrate when times are tough. 
And here there are no easy answers. Sometimes life is unfair. Our world is as much in need of Jesus today as it has ever been. Just one look at our news screens can tell us that. There is darkness throughout our world and that, desperate, and that darkness desperately needs the light of Jesus to shine into it. But through fixing our eyes on Jesus, through seeing what he is doing, even in the pain, even in the struggle, even in the darkness, we can still find joy. We still find something to celebrate. When we're in those dark moments, whether it is a, we look at what's going on in the world around us or when we experience that acutely in our own lives, we have two options. One option is to focus on that darkness and that just leads to disappointment, pain and depression. But the alternative is to focus on the light of Jesus shining into the darkness to see the power of Jesus, to illuminate that darkness, to fill our hearts with hope and with joy, even in all of that darkness that surrounds us. Eugene Peterson makes a really helpful distinction that I think we don't appreciate enough. He says that the Bible is not full of happy people, but the Bible is full of joyful people. Jesus doesn't promise us a happy life. He doesn't promise us an easy life. He doesn't say our hopes and our dreams and everything we've ever wanted will be given to us. But even in the trials, even in the struggles, even in the darkness, still we can find joy. As we heard Peter say in verse 6, in all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief of, in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Faith isn't seen by us just rejoicing and celebrating in the good times. Faith is seen the most when we are joyful even when times are tough. When we're in those moments of darkness and yet we still see the good news of Jesus and we continue to celebrate regardless. One of the hallmarks of being a Christian is joy and celebration. But we don't celebrate like the world celebrates. We don't have to force it till we make it or fake it till we make it, is that the saying? Um, and pr just pretend everything's okay. Rather, we celebrate because we have a deep conviction, a deep truth that no matter how bleak life might appear, in Jesus we have good news. In Jesus we have a new and lasting hope that will never fail us, that will never disappoint us. As we follow Jesus, we let the truth of who he is speak into our lives and into our hearts. As we follow Jesus, we allow the Holy Spirit to come and take root within us, enabling us to overflow, or enabling his joy to overflow within our lives. This is true joy, 
It's deeper than anything else the world can offer or experience. It is a joy that continues to exist even in the darkest and most challenging of moments. Jesus has come that we might have life and life in all its fullness. He longs for us to live our best life with him. And when I think about living my best life with Jesus, I want to live a life that is defined by joy, a life full of celebration. And so you, my question this morning is, will you join the celebration? Will you join in the party? Will you celebrate and rejoice for all that Jesus is, for all that he has done? For if you do so, then you too will be able to know that you are living your best life with him. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning we praise you for the good news we have in Jesus. For the blessing that you have poured out into our lives. And Lord, we pray today that we might know more of your love for us, more of this wonderful good news that we find in Jesus in each of our own lives. Lord God, I'm conscious today that there are people here with concerns, with challenges. People who might be looking around the world and feeling that cloud of darkness surrounding them that can so easily oppress and dampen down the joy within us. Lord God, in all that we are facing in the midst of our own lives. Lord, may we see the light of Jesus shining into that darkness, that we might find joy and that we might find hope. And Holy Spirit, would you come and move amongst us again? Come and flow into our hearts that your joy might overflow within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.